Bible words. And we're in this series, we're looking at some of the, the words in the Bible that you may or may not be familiar with. And with these words, is so oftentimes just because we can pronounce them, therefore I understand it. But in reality, we're just scratching the surface. And through this series, we're delving into these words and seeing truth from the Word of God. And for me personally, it's been incredibly encouraging as truth has just been able to come out. And we see things, we go, ah, now I understand what they're talking about. That's the goal for today. So often in life, we ask the question, why do you do what you do? And you think about it with education. With your children going to school, why do I need to go to school? And you tell them, you go to school to receive an education. Well, why do you need an education? Well, receive an education so you can get a job. Well, why do I need a job? You need a job so that you can pay your bills. Why do I have bills? You have bills because you have to eat and live. Well, why do I need to eat and live? Because the alternative is you die. And you think to yourself, why do I go to school? And maybe you can tell your children this. Why do you go to school? It's so that you don't die. And you think to yourself, why do you do what you do? And you start thinking, rather than just the small things, you start thinking big picture. How do you fit into God's big picture and his eternal plan? There's more to life than just surviving. There's certainly more to life than just paying bills. You have been created with a plan, with a purpose. And it was we discover in God's word that he has something for you bigger and greater than just yourself. And certainly bigger and greater than what you can handle on your own. We live in a world that naturally tears people down and tears reputations down. It sees someone rise to, to, uh, to up and we, we seek to tear them down. And so we want to do the opposite of that today. And we want to see, rather than quickly see error and see the faults in others, to see the blessings, to see how we can encourage and lift up and build up. And this morning we're talking about a word called edification. And edification, by definition, is, is simply a word that means to build up. It literally means like, like building a, a house. It's build up. Sometimes we, you, we may use the word encourage. But with that building up and encouragement, that's, that's actually an incomplete use of the word. Yes, you can say edification means build up, but you're just scratching the surface of the definition. In the Christian sense, it has the understanding of to build up for a purpose. And the purpose is for mutual, so, so in other words, for me and for the person I'm building up, that we become more like Christ or more like Jesus. The very name Christian simply means to be like Christ. So we see the word edification. It's used 18 times in, by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And it means build up to, be, to build up someone to become more like Christ. Our principle for today is this. And I have put this as I statement because this is something that isn't just for me. And I didn't do it 
just say, you have the responsibility as if it's just for you. I want you to personalize this today. As I said in the very beginning, God has brought you here for a reason. So let's begin to personalize God's word today. I have the responsibility to receive and share building up. That is the word edification, building up to my church family. Through this series, I'm going to give you a brief overview of what we've been at this series so far. This is week number four. We started off several weeks ago looking at a Bible word justification. And the Bible word justification is God's declaration upon the, the Christian, the saved person, that they've been declared not guilty. So therefore, at the moment of salvation, God, like a judge, declares in this courtroom the, the sinner is now not guilty. And there's a beautiful word in the Bible called justification. Immediately following that, we see the word adoption, where we are brought into or placed into the family of God. That's the word adoption. So we have salvation, you're saved, then you are declared not guilty, then you are adopted into his family. And now we are, we are part of God's family. And we, how do we learn this? How do we begin to understand it? We, we see is the word inspiration. Inspiration has to do with God's word that is perfectly preserved. God's word in the Bible has preserved his word for us so we can know him and we can know how to live. We can know how to be saved, how to live for eternity with our God and Savior. Today we're looking at edification is really the, the now what? The so what? Now that we've been saved and we have been declared not guilty and we've been part of his family and we have his inspired word, the Bible, now how do we live as a result? And that's where we see edification. As it says on the screen, building up, resulting in more Christ-likeness. In Romans chapter number 14, I asked you to turn there earlier. Romans 14, verse number 19, it says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Throughout the version of the Bible that I use here, the English Standard Version, it, it translates the word edify or edification as building up or upbuilding. Some other Bible versions translate it slightly differently, but it always has the understanding of to build up. You see, in our church... We are a community. You often hear me refer to our church as the local church. And the reason why I call it the local church is we have Christendom as a whole, but this is our family. This is our local church. And in that scripture there, it says verse number 19, for mutual upbuilding, for mutual building up for, to become more like Christ. And it's not just for me, it's also for others also. It's for me and you. You see, the church is a community. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, it says, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. If you can picture an arch and an archway, and in Roman times, in the first century, you had arches that were built that still stand to this day, which is absolutely incredible. 
And if you understand the, the, uh, the building of an arch, you have certain pieces that belong in different ways. And as you go to the top, you have the centerpiece that locks it all into place. And it's strong and secure because each piece is doing its part. But if you remove one piece, the whole arch will collapse. In a similar way, when we see the scripture, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are members one of another, just like an archway. We're building up and we're supporting each other. We have within that some positive accountability. And it's not gossip. It's actually, I'm helping you build as you help me build. That's why with our purposes of our church to connect and grow and serve, it's not just one way focused. It's to be connect with God and with others, to grow in our relationship with God and with others, to serve God as we serve others. And the purpose behind that is it's not always just one way focused. It's also within that we have the receiving. There's an ancient adage that you may have heard of before, particularly if you are a Spider-Man fan. And I'm using this illustration to make all the Spider-Man fans wake up. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you think that the writers of the Marvel comics made that statement up. And Uncle Ben made this great statement. With great power comes great responsibility to Peter Parker. And he became Spider-Man. That's not where it's from. It's actually from the very the first century. It's been used throughout time and history. The French philosopher Voltaire used this statement. British prime ministers have used this. U.S. presidents have been quoted by saying this. And of course, it's most famous because of some made-up character named Spider-Man movie. But you know what? If you go back to the first century, we see in the book of Luke that Jesus himself made it this statement. Luke 12, verse 48. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. With great power comes great responsibility. And you see, you and I have been given a great opportunity. And you think about the word edification, that word building up. You see, by definition, it's the word building up to be more Christ-like. You see, the key is, it's more than just encouragement. See, encouragement is wonderful. I would challenge us all to be encouragers. But it's far more than simply encouragement. It has a deeper understanding than that. It's for mutual benefit to become like Christ. So therefore, the thought behind it is that as I seek to build up somebody else, guess what happens in return? I am built up as in return. And so therefore, we are both growing to become more like Christ. Imagine the difference that that can make in our families. If we live our family life trying to edify each other and build up each other to become more like Christ, we will become more like Christ as a result. As, we, as God brings people to our mind and we send uh, positive text messages of, of prayer, we write cards, we write notes and messages th uh, through social media. We, we send different things along because God brought someone to your mind. And what happens is you get built up as a result. And imagine what that would do in, our, in your family. Imagine that what that would do in your connect group, in our, your youth group, in our church as a whole, and ultimately in our community around us. 
What difference will that make if we take on the responsibility? Our principle again is, I have the responsibility to receive and to share building up to my church family. I'm going to give you a quick, quick overview of the book of Romans, chapter number 12 through 15. The underlying theme of these chapters is relationships. It begins in chapter number 12, talking about our relationship with God. It goes on to our relationship with others, other believers, relationship with our enemies, our relationship with our government. In chapter number 13, it talks about in chapters 14 and 15, what about when we disagree? It's all wonderful when everyone gets along, but what happens when we disagree? What do we do with edification? What do we do with building up? The Apostle Paul in this passage is addressing a real circumstance. And this church in Rome that he's writing to in the book of Romans, there he's addressing something that's causing division within the church. And for us, it may sound silly, but it was causing division. And we can find similar things in our own church family. One side of the division was on what they are supposed to eat. The other part of the division was what days were the holy days. And they were causing conflict. And what we're going to find in verses 13 through 19 and just in this passage here is that you and I have a choice. You have the ability to edify but you also have the ability to bring down and to destroy. If you have your Bibles open to Romans chapter 14, you'll, you'll be able to follow along. If not, it's on the screen for you to see. It says in verse 13, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. A stumbling block or hindrance. Two things that are stated there. First of all, when you think of a stumbling block, it's not some huge boulder on the pathway. You think to yourself, well, I can't get around this. That's a hindrance. What a stumbling block is, is something that causes you to trip, causes you to fall. Something you may not even notice on the ground that causes you to fall to the side. And he says here is, you and I, we have the ability to put a stumbling block on verse number 13. A number of years ago, a number of years ago, like 20 years ago, I, along with a friend of mine, we were doing some running, and really I didn't run very much. He ran, and I occasionally joined him, so I can't call myself a runner. I never bought the shorts or the shoes or anything. We were running along one evening after a camp, and it was after 10 o'clock at night, and it was fairly dark outside, and you ever see things at night that aren't really what you think they are and I thought I'd seen like a McDonald's bag crumpled up into a ball about the size of maybe a, a big softball maybe a, a grapefruit size I thought to myself as I run along I'm just going to kick it off to the side and keep on running and as I did that swift great soccer kick I realized that it wasn't a piece of paper it was a rock and I stumbled to the ground in great pain, and I limped back to the dormitory where we were, and that was a stumbling block. Something that I saw in my way that I didn't know what it was, and it caused me to stumble and cry. Verse number 15, it goes on, it says, If your brother is grieved, you know you have the ability to cause people grief in your actions. By what you eat, you are no longer walking in love, but what... But what you eat, you do not 
So here it says, destroy the one whom Christ died. We have the ability to grieve people. We have the ability to cause them to stumble. We have the ability to destroy. When I looked up that word destroy, it literally means to figuratively or literally kill or destroy. So here we have some pretty strong language. So go down to verse number 19. And it gives us the now what? So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So rather than bringing down, rather than causing a hindrance, rather than destroying, let's build up for mutual, because guess what happens to you? We get built up as well as the other person to become more like Christ. Throughout the Bible, we have a number of one another statements. I'm going to read in several off here in just a moment. And as we go through these, I'm just going to name them off quickly to give you an understanding that when we talk about building up, it's not just one focused. It's, it's two way. Let me read these for you. We're commanded to love one another, live in harmony with one another, welcome one another, admonish one another, care for one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, be patient with one another. Forgive one another. Regard one another as more important than oneself. Sing praises with one another. Speak truth to one another. Encourage one another. Seek good for one another. Stir up one another to love and good deeds. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Be humble toward one another. Oftentimes when I speak, on a Sunday, I will give you a, we'll go through a passage of Scripture and we'll have a point and there's the application, like an arrow. This is the application for this point. Well, today's a little bit different. I'm going to give you much like a shotgun approach where it's going to be broad and there's a number of applications here for where you are. And my challenge to you as we go through these seven steps of edification, and they're in your bulletin, there's little, lots of blanks. If you like filling out blanks, I have lots of blanks for you today. And we're going to walk through these really quickly. And the, the thought behind it here is, I want to challenge you to grab one. If you're really good, you may be able to grab two. But don't worry about grabbing all seven. Just focus on grabbing one of these principles and applying it to your life. Because as we said in the principle, we have a responsibility to receive and to share this building up. And most of my focus through this will be on the sharing, but I also want you to recognize that it's also, it goes two ways. So it's much like if I tossed a tennis ball to you, I could probably, for most of you, <laughs> toss a tennis ball back and forth all day long and you catch it all day long, no problem. But if I start to throw two tennis balls, you may be able to be really good and catch two, but if I'm throwing three or four or seven tennis balls at once, what often happens is we go and we end up dropping all of them. So my challenge is to focus on one of these steps and begin to apply it to your life. If you can do more, wonderful. So let's walk through these together. I'm going to walk through very quickly. First of all, the responsibility to share and receive. Number one, Edify or build up with my unselfishness. I specifically chose the word unselfishness as opposed to generosity 
because unselfishness is really the opposite of selfishness. If you're in a job interview and the interviewer asks you, name your strengths. None of us will put down, I'm very selfish. But in reality, we're naturally very self-centered. Every single one of us is naturally selfish. And when we're not, it's God's work in our life to not be selfish. It says in Romans chapter 15, verse 2, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We need to recognize the opportunities to practice selflessness towards others. You see, in a local church, when we are caring for others, we are seeking others' benefit. We are barely tightened in this room and with the restrictions that are on in our state right now, that's why we have the seating outside and some people actually sit outside and in order to follow along the service. And some people put up their hand and say, Michael, if you need the room in the auditorium, I'm happy to go sit in the lobby or outside. Now, I am careful of that because some people go, oh, I'm happy to go home right now. But that's not the goal. The thought behind it is they're thinking of others saying, I'm going to let them sit in the nice seats, as it were, while I go sit over here. And that sort of attitude of selflessness, of putting others before ourselves. That's our first thing we see. The step to share and receive, building up, first of all, is unselfishness. Number two, edify with my respect. Now, respect is an understanding of position understanding of God's put certain people in your life for a reason. Pastors are one of those people. God has placed pastors in your life for a reason. We are here to come alongside you to help you to grow. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come to you I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me, for building up and not for tearing down. The Apostle Paul here is writing this. He's writing to a church that's really messed up. There's immorality in the church. There was infighting in this church. And he's writing to them saying, get yourself cleaned up and straightened up so that when I come to you, I don't have to spend my time building and tearing these things down. I want to be encouraging to you. I want to build you up to be more like Christ. When we do that, it's a respect for authority. It's respect for the people that God has put into your life to speak into your life. Something that's beautiful about being a part of a connect group or being part of a small Bible study is you're with people for mutual accountability and God uses other people to speak into your life and to speak truth into your life. And you know what the beauty of that is? It works the other way as well and you get to speak into other people's life as well and speak the truth. Moving on from there, we see edify with my love. Nothing builds up more than when we practice the love of Christ. When we actually practice the name Christian, which means to be like Christ. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 8, the first two verses, is talking about the difference between knowledge and love. For we know that All of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. 
What the Apostle Paul here is saying in this passage is, you think you know something, but in reality, oftentimes, what we, we, we think we know, it just leads us to pride. It leads us to self-centeredness. And he says there, knowledge puffs up. Now, let me encourage you. I really do encourage you. Study hard in school. Do well. Don't be ignorant towards things. Study hard, but don't allow your knowledge to become pride in your life. And what, let me explain the difference. So often we see someone else that doesn't know what you know. Or we see someone that we think, if they only knew what I knew, imagine how much, how much easier their life would be. And we look at that person, rather than coming alongside them and bringing and building them up and helping them in love, that we just look at them and say, if they only knew what I knew. Much like a teacher. If a teacher said to you, you can take this class if you know everything that's in the textbook. In other words, if you have the knowledge that the teacher, then you can be in this class. That's absolutely ridiculous. The best teacher you ever had wasn't the teacher that just told you the facts from the book. The best teachers you ever had in school were the teachers that came alongside you with love and compassion and care, that empathized with you, that saw the potential in you and brought you up rather than just saying, what's wrong with you? Why don't you know your ABCs? Like, it must be so frustrating to be a kindy teacher and be excited about them counting to three. Like, come on, it's only to count to three. And you get excited about a child learning the ABCs and you go, I've known that for years. Here we see we edify rather than just with our knowledge. We edify with our love and with our actions. We build up with our love and actions. The fourth thing we see is edify with my gifts. Every single one of us has a unique gifts and abilities that God has brought into our church family. And he has brought them so that we can mutually use them together to glorify God. Thank God that we don't all have exactly the same gifts and abilities. And with the diversity of the many hundreds of people that come to our church, you know, it's wonderful is that we have opportunities and, and gifts that, that I don't possess and neither will I ever naturally possess or spiritually possess. But God has brought people into our church family that we can work together. And in this passage in Ephesians chapter number four, it says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to what, what's our purpose? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You have unique gifts and abilities and so natural for us to compare our gifts and abilities to someone else. And we see someone else's gifts and abilities, and we go, if I only had what they had, imagine what God can do through me then. Well, God has uniquely gifted you where you are. A number of years ago, I learned a statement, and I thought it was very unique and innovative at the time, and I've since found out that it's well used by others. But I remember the very first time I, I learned this statement, I was in Bible college. And in Bible college, we were learning truth from the Word of God, and we were actively and, and passionately trying to share that with others. And the simple statement was, we are blessed to be a blessing. And at the time, that was the first time I heard it, so I thought it was, you know, it was revolutionary in my life. And the way that we look at our life and look at our opportunities, that you're blessed to be a blessing. God is giving you gifts and abilities, as it says there, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. As a pastor, 
this is my job, so this I'm employed, but I'm not your employee. I'm your pastor to come alongside you to equip you for ministry, not to do the ministry, but to come alongside you in ministry and to help you, as it says there, for building up the body of Christ, to mutually build us up together. We see the gifts. That's the opposite of consumerism. It's saying, God, I'm going to let you use my gifts and abilities. We also see edify with my hope. Life is short. Eternity is forever. So therefore, in our short lives, we must live with eternity in mind. What were you created for is not the 70 or 80 or 100 years you live here on earth. You are created for eternity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 and 11. For God has not designed us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The statement that I came across this past week. You can never argue a child into losing fear. Let's think in for a moment. You can never argue a child into losing fear. Shouting across the other side of the house, telling your children and my children, stop being afraid, has never made them not fear. But when a mother comes alongside and sits in bed next to the child that's afraid of the dark, and he comforts the child, and she shares with the child that she understands, and she shows the child there's nothing underneath the bed, and there's nothing scary. And they empathize with the child and say, you know, when I was a little kid, I was afraid of the dark too, but I've overcome that fear. And because you know there's something more to life than just this right here. In a similar way, and not in a childish way, we can come alongside others and say, I've been where you've been. I've experienced what you've experienced, and here's how God brought me along on this journey. Some of you have been through incredible ups and downs. Many of you have migrated to another country. You've gone through incredible education. You, you have made changes in your life, and you think to yourself, ah, you're the only one. But you realize so many of others have been there too. And with your hope, they can bring others along with you in that journey. We edify with my hope. We also edify with my testimony. You have a powerful story. Your story is unique and is uniquely yours, but your story can be used to bless and to build up others. In this passage in Acts chapter number 9, it gives the account of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, previously be becoming a great apostle and evangelist for Jesus Christ, was a man that hated Christians, that threw them in prison, and his testimony and reputation previous to Christ was one that absolutely caused terror in people. But afterward, it caused people to rejoice, and he led thousands of people to Christ. I would suggest there are millions of churches across the world today that are preaching from books that he wrote. His testimony is powerful 
so is yours. Your unique story is powerful. It says in verse 21, And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? In other words, his reputation was horrible, but his testimony was tremendous. And it goes on in verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the last two words, it multiplied. The church was exploding in growth and it came about and encouraged by the story and the testimony of a man that used to be a hater, but was now a lover of Jesus Christ. That's your story. Your story can build up others. But also, when you share your story with another person, that builds you up too and encourages you with your plan and purpose. And the final one is words. Edify with my words. We tell a child, say, use your words. In a similar way, we can... We can take things like, well, actions speak louder than words. Well, I'm just going to show my love and show my building up through my actions. Let me turn that around a little bit. Rather than just showing through actions, also show through your words. In Ephesians chapter number 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, Rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working perfectly, making the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. We have the picture here of a body that when it works together, it functions tremendously. But if you've ever stubbed your pinky toe, you know that every single part of your body is important. And you know that even the inside parts are very, very important, not just the outside parts. And if our church can take the analogy of being a body, we have a lot of different parts, and every single one of our parts is important. And when one part is hurting, the whole is hurting. So we can work together and build up. Our church has a mentoring program at our local public school called to at Forest Primary School. And our mentoring program comes alongside children and encourages them and spends time with them. And it's really, it's, it's something I personally really enjoy doing and spending time with, with, with these different children and seeing how they grow and develop. But one of the things we were taught in the training for mentoring was the difference between praise and encouragement. Where praise will look like, praise is, you're wonderful, you're great, you're tremendous. And it's empty It's nice words, and we love to hear praise, but they're empty words. Whereas encouragement comes alongside and says, I can see how you have changed and developed, and you're growing this year. Twelve months ago, you could never do this, and look at how much you've changed in the last year. You can name the change in their life. That's encouragement, and encouragement is far more powerful than empty words of praise. Edify with your words. This morning, I have given you lots of things of application. I hope that you were able to catch one or two of them and begin to mold them around in your life. You have your message notes there. And to think about them this week as you think through in your own life how you can build up somebody else and through that be built up yourself, whether it's your, 
whether it's your selflessness or your respect or your love or your gifts or your hope, your testimony and your words, use your opportunities that God has given to you because you have been equipped by God to edify. You've been given opportunities. Let's not waste them. In a moment, we're going to pray, then we're going to sing a song, and have some announcements, then we'll be out the door. Let me encourage you, let's start to put this into practice this week. Before you even leave today, let's seek to edify somebody else, and through that, find the encouragement for yourself.